According to Dr. Deborah Davey, adolescent girls and women in South Africa continue to experience significant risk of HIV, especially when pregnant or breastfeeding. Dr. Davey argues that while we have seen significant declines in new infant infections in the last two decades, the pace of decline has slowed in recent years. She is this month's Mench Network thought leader, and our very own Mench Network program manager, Jody Ramsey, will introduce her to us. Jody, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Sharice. I love being here every month. Thanks so much for hosting Mensch and the Mensch Thought Leader and this week's Thought Leader, Devorah, who I'm not even going to start to tell you about. I'm going to let her introduce herself because she's just been everywhere and done the most amazing things in infectious disease management um, that I'm just so thrilled and Mensch is so thrilled to have her be part of our network. So I'll hand it over to you both. Thank you very much. Um, I'm excited to be speaking to Dr. Davey. Dr. Davey, welcome. Um, can we start off looking at the relationship between COVID and HIV AIDS? What has happened and what is the relationship between the two of them? Thank you, Sharice. It's so nice to be on your show today. Um, I appreciate it. So as you said, my name is uh, Devorah Davey, and I'm an epidemiologist at the University of California, Los Angeles, and here at the University of Cape Town and the School of Public Health. Um, I work primarily with infectious disease and including HIV and other infections in, in women and families. Um, and so your question is a very pertinent one, um, coming that people don't feel like we're still in the epidemic of COVID, but we certainly are. Um, we, we see new variants coming out and um, new infections um, every day that are impacting on the community. The relationship between COVID and, and HIV is a complex one. Um, I've had colleagues who have evaluated this and really seen that those um, people living with HIV can have more severe um, COVID and more mortality, especially if their HIV is not controlled. And so it's really important for everyone living with HIV to be diagnosed, to be on treatment, and to make sure that their HIV is under control um, and they're um, not viremic, so that they're, they don't have a high viral load, meaning that they're taking their treatment every day and following up with clinicians' recommendations. Um, in addition, people living with HIV need to make sure that they're vaccinated and have their boosters, and so that if they do get COVID, as many of us do, that the reaction or the, the severity is is not as bad and so they're not hospitalized, for example. And so the two um, do go hand in hand, and it's really important to continue on treatment and continue with um, vaccines um, if one is living with HIV, as, as so many people are living with HIV in South Africa. Dr. Spore, um, Dr. Davey, you, you, you talk about the fact that COVID is still around and people don't talk about it. Like, I remember my daughter commenting in, you know, kind of May 2020, what did we talk about before COVID, you know, because it's so all-consuming. And while we still have it, it's not very much on the agenda. How much more so is HIV AIDS that people just aren't talking about it as as much as we did when we were first aware of it? Yeah, I think whenever you have a new disease or a new um, outbreak of something, people do talk about it more. And it, it is terrifying. You know, the beginning of COVID, it was really scary. People didn't know how it was spread, how you can get it, um, how you can give it to other people. Now we've learned a lot that it's really an airborne disease. Um, and we know how it's how it's spread. And the same with HIV. People thought they could get HIV from shaking hands. 
um, from kissing or from forks or from toilets. And we've learned that you can't. It's a really um, complex virus. So as we learn more about it, people talk about it less, maybe. And um, as we learn how to treat it, just like with COVID, there's new treatments with HIV. There's really good, great treatments out. So people living with HIV can live a normal life. So you might not, not even know that people in your own family, your own community have HIV because they're taking their treatment and they're living a normal life. Um, and so the mortality has declined significantly um, in people living with HIV. And so it's no longer um, a, a thing where people are, are dying at the rate that we saw them in the 80s and 90s, thank goodness. And so um, I think that because it's, it's no longer as fatal, um, the mortality is reduced. People talk about it less, but uh, it still is a big problem. We have over 7 million people living with HIV in this country, and we need to recognize that it's part of our community and it's, and it's here to stay um, as we have people living with HIV that live longer lives. And so we need to recognize that it's still here, even though it might not be as present in the news or in the media um, or, you know, in common, you know, everyone talking about it as it was maybe 10 years ago. You talk about the fact that it has decreased, but do you believe that it's decreasing slow, slower than it has been and that more can actually be done to prevent it from being passed down from mother to child? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the incidence of HIV, which are new cases of HIV, have decreased significantly in the past, even the past five to ten years. Um, however, we expected to see declines go faster, especially in, in maternal and child health. And so what we're looking at is a, we really, um, and I'm talking about we as, as the World Health Organization, the UN agency that fights HIV and AIDS, are setting to eliminate maternal to child transmission of HIV. And so to, to really get to a point where women don't acquire HIV in pregnancy and they don't transmit the virus. And we haven't been able to achieve that. Um, and most of that is because of um, limited diagnosis or late diagnosis and treatment, and especially to women acquiring HIV or getting HIV while they're pregnant or breastfeeding. And this is something that my research and my colleagues' research is really set to do is to improve the the primary prevention, so primary prevention meaning preventing people from getting HIV while they're pregnant. And um, there's a lot of barriers to that, both in the community, in the in the clinical structural, and um, in, in people's understanding of HIV. And that's what our research is set to do, is, is really to eliminate maternal HIV and maternal HIV um, transmission to the infants, which is where our focus is. It's absolutely fascinating. And there used to be such a stigma around HIV AIDS. Um, is that stigma still there? Definitely. I, it's really disheartening. Um, we just published a study on, on stigma of, of people living with HIV, especially women living with HIV who are pregnant, um, or even taking, you know, medication to prevent HIV so they're not living with HIV. And we find that, that, um, stigma is still very, um, prevalent in the in the community in which we work in South Africa, and it's disheartening that it's 2022. People have been living with HIV now for almost 40 years, and we still need to address communities um, stigma in the community, both um, anticipated stigma, so people thinking that somebody's going to have um, stigma, or real life stigma in the workplace or in the community, and rejection of people living with HIV. And so there does still need to be a lot more work around stigma 
um, and addressing it, especially in this community of, of women living with HIV and pregnant women, especially um, because stigma can counteract um, the, their treatment. If, if people feel like they're being stigmatized or they're scared of stigma, they might not take their treatment. They might not get tested. And so it, it is a real problem that we need to address um, at, a, at a community and, and at, a, at a structural level. Dr. Davy, you're very involved, obviously, with public health, and it's been your passion since you were a student. Um, post being a student, you went to Gabon. And I wonder mm-hmm. if you share your experiences from Gabon to through to South Africa in terms of public health. Yeah. So um, I'm obviously American. I grew up in the United States. And um, I took a course on African geography when I was um, in university and I became passionate about it. And my university professor said, if you want to be learn more about Africa, go live in Africa. Go live there, go live in Gabon, and, you know, I had an opportunity to live in Gabon and to live in an African community, and it changed my life, really. Um, I was 22 years old, and I had an opportunity to go live with a community and learn about their health problems, and I lived with women that were my age, 22, 23, who already had several children and were already married and had limited education about reproductive health, contraception, HIV, sexually transmitted infections. And that's where I became passionate about public health. And I came back to the United States and got a master's degree in public health. And that's where it stopped. Um, the rest of my, my real career started there. And I remain passionate about enabling women to access information and health services that can help benefit them and their children's lives um, from that experience of living in Gabon. Do you think public health in South Africa is where it should be? No. I, I think that we have a long ways to come. Um, certainly, South Africa is better off than other countries where I've lived and worked, like in Gabon or in uh, Mozambique, for example. But South Africa has a huge disparity between the private sector and the public sector and where we need to be. If you go, most of, you know, a lot of people do have private medical aid, and so they're able to go to nice hospitals um, like Vincent Pilati, et cetera. And down the street, you have other health facilities where the rest of the community go, and they don't have the same access to treatment, to technology, and they have to wait in queues for a long time to even get access to basic medical services. And so there does need to be a lot more focus put on um, improving access to healthcare treatment and technology in the communities in which we work. Um, and the government is, is trying hard, but you can see that there's huge disparities even in the provinces that we work. Um, you know, Eastern Cape tends to have the, some of the worst health indicators in the country. Um, and you compare that to Gauteng or KZN or Western Cape, where we have fairly good health indicators. And so um, the government does need to address a lot of the health equity issues within the country and among the population in South Africa. And a lot more needs to be done um, to address that health equity. Dr. David, do you feel that being part of the mention network can help in terms of a broader society address these inequalities? Yeah, I do think that the Mensch Network is fundamental and and other networks like this where you can share um, your experiences and your stories and and network. Um, I think that networking 
has um, enabled us to understand better how we can share our experiences, um, get funds even, you know, do fundraising and that sort of thing for different areas and to improve the way that the government and our NGOs. I work closely with the Desmond Tutu Health Foundation, for example, and um, through that I'm able to bring in other people from the Mensch Network to volunteer and to, to experience um, the community in which we live. A lot of times people don't go out into the townships, don't go, get to go see how the clinics are, and I'm able to bring people into that community so that they're able to understand and then then able to improve um, their fundraising or the, uh, address some of the health disparities that we all find in our communities. So on that note, um, Dr. Davey, we're going to leave it, but thank you very much for joining me. So just to um, just to repeat, you are an honorary senior lecturer in the Department of Biostatistics and Epidemiology at UCT. And Jody, who I think I know by now is the program manager at Mensch Network. Thank you to yeah. both of you for joining me. Thanks so much, Cherise. Thanks, Deborah.